0: Welcome to AEC Marketing for Principles, brought to you by Smartigies, where we help design and construction firms navigate sales and leverage marketing to win more projects. Here are your hosts, Katie Cash and Judy
1: Sparks.
2: Hi, everyone. Katie Cash here, and welcome to the inaugural podcast for the AEC Marketing for Principles podcast, where we will be covering topics that will help you sell to owners. Today, I'm joined by my partner in strategy and of course my boss, Ms. Judy Sparks. Together, we have worked at our agency, Smartagies for just over a decade, helping countless brands across the design and construction industry navigate the sales and marketing channels, helping their brands position and win projects with clients. We are so excited today to launch our new podcast, specifically helping principals and executives within design and construction space. So Judy, why don't you tell our listeners a little bit more about what they can expect to hear and learn through our show?
1: I would love to Katie um this is a really exciting time for us at smarterge's launching our podcast for AEC principles and what you can expect to hear from us are all the latest tips and tricks in surviving in this highly competitive landscape that we call the built environment um, over the series of several um, weeks, you will hear us talk to um prominent principals from the industry who have adopted new marketing techniques to drive their bottom line, as well as hearing directly from those owners that all of our customers are constantly selling to and trying to position in front of. I think that our listeners will find our conversations to be relevant and timely and most importantly, actionable that you can put in place right away to make a difference inside your firms. So starting with uh, today's episode, we have a very special guest. Katie, do you want to talk a little bit about our guest? Yeah, absolutely.
2: Thanks for that. So um, as Judy mentioned, this is our first episode and we thought we would kick off our show with a podcasting veteran. So today, we are excited to bring to you guys the host of the Onward Nation podcast and head of predictive ROI, Stephen Wessner. So Stephen, welcome to the show. And why don't you say hello to our listeners?
0: Well, thank you very much, uh, Katie and Judy, for the invitation. It's a delight and honor to be here. Hello, audience, and uh, really looking forward to our conversation here and, and hope it's helpful to AEC principals.
2: Awesome. So, you know, Stephen, you've been in the business of podcasting for a while now, and we seem to see that podcasting is still booming in today's marketplace. And it's not just authors. It's not celebrities. It's not just comedians that are taking to the airwaves. It's certainly not just TV hosts and radio hosts doing podcasts today. It's really business leaders. There's lots of B2B brands. Finding ways to utilize podcasts. So we'd love for you to share a little bit more about how you got into podcasting, and maybe share a few tips or tricks with anyone out there that might be thinking about emerging into this particular uh, distribution channel.
0: Well, that, that's that's awesome. That's a great place to start. Thank you for asking. And and first about the um, the the growth that we're seeing, especially on the B two B side, and then and then to your point about who's doing it. Uh, who's not? There's, you know, very large shows with millions of downloads. They they tend to get they they tend to dominate the headlines, if you will. So those are the kind of the flashy shows and and the big audiences and so forth. But the vast majority, as far as numbers of podcasts, are exactly what you just talked about: the business leaders, the the executives, the business owners, trying to be helpful to an audience. And then and then by doing that, they've built a great community both around their brand, but, but even more importantly, their thought leadership. And it's all based on being helpful to that audience. And then that ends up driving their biz dev. And, and so that not only drives the biz dev for their business, but then also the biz dev for their listeners too, because learning tips and tricks and strategies and so forth, like like Judy just mentioned a few minutes ago, there's also a bit of a misconception around podcasting, and that is that it's so hot today. Is it going to be of interest tomorrow? And because you, the the misconception is that there's this hockey stick growth, and in that soon is going to burn out. When the reality is, you know, NPR Edison Research they do a comprehensive. It's called the Infinity Dial Research Report every year, and it's the deepest dive in this industry. It is excellent, excellent, excellent data. And just by going by the numbers, you know, that has has podcasting has some uh, great growth. We're seeing one to 2% increases, nice, steady increases in the adoption rate or listenership of podcasting. Is there a hockey stick? No. And so is there great growth? Yes. Nice, steady growth. It's almost like the economic growth that you'd want to be able to see. And so, if anybody listening today is thinking for their own AEC firm, geez, you know, I've considered podcasting. I've thought about maybe having that as a way to be helpful to my clients. Oh, but I've, I've missed the boat on that strategy. That couldn't be further from the truth. It's actually 180 degrees opposite of what the data is showing. So this is a perfect time to not only be a listener, but then also to be a participant in the industry. Again, why somebody should consider it is there's a variety of ways to monetize audience but first, having to build an audience to be helpful to that audience, there's a number of different strategies that, that they can move a company forward in the B2B space if they're smart about the content and intentional about what's created.
1: I
2: think that's so helpful. It's it's funny that you talk about this hockey stick growth. You know, I remember um, you know a decade or so ago we were still talking with clients about yes, you need to have a website. This thing called the mm-hmm. internet is going to be around for a little while and you know now web websites 2.0, 3.0 are coming online, but Judy and I are are fighting the battles today with hey, mister, you know, architect, mister contractor, yes, you need to be on social media. It's not going away. It's not just for the young crowds. You know, the the buying audience is is getting younger and people are consuming information a little bit differently these days and we're seeing podcasts be be part of that and part of like what you mentioned that sustaining growth and so you know Judy and I when we were starting to talk about starting this podcast we wanted to make sure that it was very purposeful and very helpful to our unique target of listeners, which are those principals, those executives within design and construction firms here across the US. So Judy, let, let's help our audience connect the dots here. Let's talk about how, you know, say an architect sitting in Omaha, Nebraska, or engineer or contractor, or maybe a fire protection rep could use podcasting as a tool in their marketing kit, help them connect the dots there.
1: Absolutely. I think that um, something that Stephen said that really resonated with me was the word helpful. You know, what's happened over the last couple of decades is um, specialization, and it's hardly... Um, it's, it's very uncommon today to find a generalist firm, whether you're talking about an architect or an engineer or a contractor. Or even a developer, even on the owner side, most of the built environment has found their niche. And so, what's happened is that you have a high degree of specialization in each of these markets. And so, where your specialization might have been a differentiator years ago, now everybody in the competitive landscape that you compete with every single day has. The depth of resume. And because you are navigating to events and uh, reading articles and you're really deep diving into an industry where the buyers in that industry are present, everybody has also developed some form of relationship with the buying audience. So, what's historically been a relationship based sales model. For AEC firms, quickly is feeling extremely overcrowded. Where the most difficult way to differentiate is in the area of technical preeminence. So it's very hard for one architect to say, "Hey, my my resume of a hundred mixed use projects is better than your resume of a hundred mixed use projects, or my resume of hospitals or healthcare environments." Um, is better than yours, or my engineer is smarter than your engineer. It's really difficult for uh, our clients to differentiate on the basis of technical preeminence. And it's also hard to differentiate on the basis of relationship because there are so many relationships. So I guess in summary, it's a really overcrowded space. So how do you stand out? And I, what we're finding is that more and more firms are less focused on selling to their customer and they're more focused on being helpful. How do I help my customer? And so with the wave of inbound marketing has come through the industry and um, also the uh, rapid adoption of account-based marketing strategies where you're putting your highest value clients first, the theme of being helpful is really, really um, timely and relevant. So how does a firm help a client at scale? And podcasting is the perfect Distribution channel for that. You can give really valuable, actionable advice to a client. And, you know, a lot of our clients think about their tier one clients being these high value named accounts where they're really focused on bringing a personalized message and helpfulness to those clients. But For the majority, when we're going to market, it's these micro clusters of clients, which we refer to in ABM strategy as tier two clients that have common pain points. And it's really easy through a podcast to address those common pain points to a buying audience that is sharing, you know, this is what's keeping me up at night. And you have a singular voice saying, hey, we have some solutions for these common Pain points and podcasting is the perfect vehicle to be able to talk about that quickly and to distribute it at scale. And then, bandwidth, and not a day goes by where I do not have a client that says, I just don't have time to write that white paper, I do not have time to go speak at that conference, I am so short on time. You know, we have um, a really strong economy right now for our industry. There's high demand. Um, recruiting top talent is on everyone's mind. And so everybody's short on time. And podcast is a really easy thing to do on your time. It takes uh, less preparation than giving a live presentation. And you can get your message to the market so quickly compared to other means of getting your message out. So I I hope that is um, helpful to our listeners and thinking about podcasts in terms of speed to market and ease. Um, I think that's why it's so popular these days.
2: Yeah, I would love for Stephen. Actually, I I think that's great, Judy, but I'd love for Stephen to maybe share You know Our audience loves proof of concept, and we love to talk about portfolio and know who's done this before. So, Stephen, I know you've worked with many brands over the past few years in the podcast realm. Have you had the chance to work with anyone in the design and construction industry? And maybe can you share that as a case study for our listeners just to help them go a step forward in connecting the dots, building upon what Judy was just saying?
0: Sure. I'd be happy to. And uh, before I do that, holy bananas. Judy, that was awesome.
1: Oh, thank you. <laughs>
0: great, great job in connecting the dots. But in, in, in what I really loved about what you shared and why I think what you shared is helpful is because you, you just articulated the business model for, um, for an AEC firm to, be, to, to create distinction. By being helpful, recognizing that the ante is you know technical competency, technical preeminence. Every firm has smart people, and that is no longer a competitive advantage. Instead, how you're helpful helps you stand out. That creates distinction. And the way that you just demonstrated and explained that thought leadership model is a way for business leaders to say to demonstrate their smarts without saying look out, I'm going to demonstrate my smarts in a self-aggrandizing <laughs> way, right? It's, it's not that at all. It's about focusing on the audience and being helpful. So really, really excellent job. So Katie, going to more specifically your, your question, um, yes, we've been in the space for uh, a number of years. I think our team has produced well over five thousand episodes now and counting. Um, we've had the opportunity to work with large firms, small firms, in a variety of different industries. And AEC is an industry that we have, you know, some level of experience—not certainly to the depth of of yours, because your your firm, Smarteges. You're so focused on on being excellent and serving that community, um, but in in our path, we we did have the opportunity to walk alongside Gensler uh, when they decided that they were going to launch uh, a podcast uh, for one of their particular uh, business units, or I should say, regions, the way that they break down their business. And so, you know, we worked with them from end to end of you know the initial strategy of how to build this out. Also thinking about the lead gen and monetization component, working with a variety of their practice leaders on what we like to call the Trojan horse of sales strategy, the Dream 25 strategy. And and that is how we can think strategically about who are the clients, who are the prospects, I should say, not, not clients, but who are the prospects that we would most like to be able to serve? at this firm and then building out that list and then thinking okay then to judy's point what content could we create around that guest through an interview type format that would be not only helpful to our audience which is who we have to serve first but then thinking will that also then because now we're a media company where we have this great channel which is the podcast Will that help us open doors with decision makers who maybe wouldn't be open to having a conversation if they felt that it was just biz dev uh, and then be able to transition and take that in house uh, in going forward? was an excellent process and, and really helped us understand uh, from, you know, again, the Trojan horse perspective within the AEC space is like, wow, there's a lot of opportunity here. So really excited to see them, you know, with their process and plan and continue to run that forward. And, um, but, but it certainly is proof of concept that this strategy works not only in all of the other industries we've served, but certainly here in AEC as well.
2: Thank you for sharing that. Hopefully that'll help some of our listeners. I do want to um, dispel one maybe myth right here is that you can start this podcast and if you you start it, then listeners are just automatically going to come. And I think a lot of our clients that we work with in design and construction, they'll start a blog and just automatically assume that the entire web is just waiting for that piece, you know, That uh, piece of content to be released, or they'll start a social media channel, or maybe they'll start a YouTube channel, and everybody's just going to flock to it. So, I would like to talk a little bit more about the marketing strategy behind getting the listeners and getting people, the right people, um, to listen and and to tune in. So, you know, Judy, Stephen, however you guys might want to tackle that question, but let's help our listeners understand really how do you how do you build that audience?
1: Well, if you don't mind, I'd like to just Say one thing about that, Katie. I think that you're absolutely right. We live this every single day. Nothing drives me more crazy than having a client spend tens of thousands of dollars on a brand new website or invest, you know, so many man hours into writing the perfect blog article or white paper, getting it on their website or on their social media pages, and then Waiting to see who might stumble upon it. Um, You know, if you're going to spend tens of thousands of dollars to develop a new website, you really need to set aside some money to drive traffic to it once it's launched. And so I think the same principle applies for podcasts. If you're going to uh, make the investment in launching your point of view on the podcast channel, then you really do need to prepare yourself and ask yourself the question, how am I going to help my target audience find this content? And so there is a whole marketing strategy to drive traffic to your podcast, to drive traffic to your website, to drive traffic to your blog article. I think that um, sometimes that piece of it is forgotten. And then the other thing I thought that Stephen said that was so insightful is this idea of becoming a media company. Um, For many, many years, AEC firms spent tens of thousands of dollars a year hiring a PR firm to uh, get placement in print media, online media, and now with technology and the ability to very affordably produce your own podcast or produce your own webinar or whatever vehicle is right for you, Firms have found you know it's a whole lot easier and cheaper to be able to write and distribute my own content, control that content, and through social media targeting, we can deliver that content right to the inbox um, or newsfeed to our target audience. And you know a great example of this is we had a client recently that developed uh, the battery at SunTrust Park. And for those listeners that live outside of Atlanta, um, this is the new home of the Atlanta Braves. And our client, Wakefield Beasley and Associates, developed, or I should say designed the most amazing mixed-use environment um, that energizes this sports-anchored complex 365 days a year, not just on game day. But we can't expect that other buyers of mixed use uh, around sports properties are just going to stumble upon this news. So we did a social media campaign where we targeted the C-suite of professional sports organizations, and we delivered that content right to their desktop. So we found this to be highly effective in raising visibility for the Wakefield-Beasley uh, Nelson brand. And as well as being able to engage your target audience in a much quicker fashion than you would otherwise. So the same is true for podcasts. If you're going to produce a podcast, you really need to deliver this right to the desktop of the people you're speaking to. Make it easy for them to find you. So that was a little bit longer explanation than I think you were asking for. But uh, Stephen, I'm sure with all of your experience, you have uh, lots of tips and tricks to share with our audience as well.
0: Well, uh, I think you just shared a, a a great list there. and And I think what I'll add to that is, Katie, that we're really seeing the bar as far as the quality standard or expectation go up. So to Judy's earlier point about being helpful to the audience, a thought leader can be helpful to an audience by making sure that what he or she shares is really good that it truly is helpful, that it passes, not just passes, but, but exceeds the helpfulness test. And so that creating that weekly cornerstone content, as we like to say, whether that's a podcast episode or YouTube video or whatever it is, um, that that content, first and foremost, is helpful, that it is so good that the guests want to share it, that the audience wants to share it, I mean, we've had clients before where they've shared a video or shared an episode, and then, and then they get reached out to from Forbes. And, and then the question is, could we feature this in a Forbes.com article? And of course, the answer is, um, yes, please. And, 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 and so that goes to additional distribution, like what Judy was talking about. But of course, that's organic. That's not paid. And what a great compliment as far as the litmus test of the quality of that content when those things happen. So our fantastic um, sort of sneezers, if you will, of the content, they feel complimented that they were treated well on the show, that they got an opportunity to share their insights and wisdom with that audience. And so then they carry that message forward through their community. And then the, the audience feels really grateful for being a part of the audience. So then they take that forward into their social communities. And then there's opportunities from... Uh, third party media, earned media like a Forbes.com or an Inc or, or whatever where contributors in that audience and wants to be able to take that forward. And then all of the really wonderful amplification strategies that, that Judy just mentioned. So you put all of that into a solid plan and holy bananas, that is being helpful to an audience using again, one of Judy's words at scale. And, and that's, and that's phenomenal business development.
2: So you're mentioning all these great things. yes, i would I would love for Forbes to say, "Hey, you know, can we feature your podcast episode or something like that?" That sounds fantastic. But um, in reality, how can firms embarking on this podcasting journey really set up key metrics to understand what value they're getting out? Of this effort, can you maybe shed some light on on what those ideal KPIs might be, or what the the time period you should wait until you start measuring? And then, you know, Judy, maybe you might could add some additional things that might be specific to our industry.
0: Sure, happy to do that. Um, so, a few of the sort of leading metrics, if you will, or KPIs, using uh, your term, um, it's been our experience that most business owners are very concerned about. The quote unquote number of downloads that they might be receiving on a monthly basis. And not that they shouldn't be, because that's, that's an initial indicator, although it can also be a misleading indicator as to the helpfulness. So we do, we do absolutely without a doubt track uh, downloads. We like to see between a five to 10% increase on a monthly basis or excuse me, month over month basis. So we can see an organic growth in sort of uh, new audience members coming into the fold all right so so uh, the number of monthly downloads does tend to be um, you know an indicator or a kPI that we pay uh, attention to. then we also look at um, and this isn 't a vanity number um, but it it just depends on where a client is doing business and so that number is the number of countries that that the podcast has grown into right so so right now, you mentioned onward Nation. We feel great that it's in 105 countries. I'm sure that your podcast is going to, to go into international markets uh, quickly. And, and so that that just kind of gives us sort of a spreading, sort of a sneezing, if you will, audience, then what's the global distribution. But then we quickly get into metrics that are more business development oriented. And, and that might be by how much per month is our email opt-in list? like. You know, having an audience that's lovely, but to Judy's point, being able to communicate right to their inbox—that's really valuable. Um, so, by how much are our email subscribers growing every month? By how much is our LinkedIn community growing every month? Uh, so, those are you know starting to get kind of further down the funnel, uh, and then ultimately the 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 metric that we look at the closest is revenue leads. Revenue by how many more at bats does the company receive for, um, you know, invitations, whether that's RFPs, presentations? What's the average value of those proposals or pitches? What's the close rate? Does it go up or go down because they were a podcast listener or perhaps a guest? And then ultimately, what's the revenue? And so we always knit that together. And I mean, that's one of the reasons why I named the business that I did predictive ROI is because we want to pay attention to all of those KPIs because ultimately it should result in revenue. Uh, I mean, yes, we want to be helpful to the audience, um, but this is also a for-profit business. And so we want to make sure that this is actually driving the business forward uh, and measuring all those KPIs end to end is really important.
1: Anything else to add to that, Judy? Well, I think Stephen has really covered it very well, but I have to say, Katie, um, having been with you since the beginning of your career, I am having a very proud office mom moment, I have to say.
2: (laughs) Thanks, mom.
1: (laughs) because I've been in this industry for a really long time, you know, 25 years. And when I started in the industry, marketing really was thought of as the people down the hall that put the books together. You know, that function of procurement of putting together RFQs and RFPs and presentations and just the idea that there's a marketer um, marketing standard, I should say, in our industry where we are actually talking about KPIs. I'm just having a very proud moment right now that today's marketers in the AEC industry, the ones that are really paying attention to what's happening in the B2B marketing landscape, understanding that professional service firms are not immune to those best practices, that they should be looking closely to what are other b2B industries do to make a difference in their business and then adopt those best practices um, and taking it a step further saying what are my key performance indicators on whether or not this marketing spend is delivering maximum return on investment and being able to justify that to my boss those are the marketers of today and I'm just very very proud that you would ask that question, Katie Cash. I think that is wonderful. So, But as far as uh, ways to measure, I think Steven really got that covered. Um, I just wanted to make it a, a point to tell the principals that are listening today that the way you measured marketing even five years ago has changed dramatically. And if you're doing it the same way, you really need to lift your head up and see what's going on in the marketplace and Ask yourself whether or not you are really focused on your marketing spend and whether or not that spend is wise.
2: And I think that sums it up, folks. Make sure you tune in with us as we cover more and more of these hard-hitting topics and Judy just breaks it down, cutting through the clutter. That's really what we're setting out to do with the AEC Marketing for Principles podcast. And we thank everybody for listening. Stephen, you've been a fantastic guest. Thank you so much for going on this journey with us today. And um, we wish you all the best luck. So selfish plug or selfless plug rather for Onward Nation. If you want to share any of that with our listeners, go right ahead.
0: Well, thank you very much for the invitation to, to join you. And if your listeners want to check us out at PredictiveROI.com, which is where all of our podcast episodes are and, and best ways to connect and, and so forth, as well as our free resource library, uh, which we pack full of educational uh, stuff, just just to be helpful uh, to, to Judy's earlier points, So, but thank you both uh, very, very much for the invitation to join you here today. It was a lot of fun as always. Really enjoy spending time with both of you and and, um, and thanks again. I look forward to our paths crossing again.
2: Thanks, everybody. Have a great week.
0: You've been listening to AEC Marketing for Principles brought to you by SmarterGs. If you like this episode, please let us know by visiting aecmarketingpodcast.com where you can learn more ways to position your brand and sell to owners.